fasten your seatbelts and hold on tight, ladies and gentlemen. The engines are running and we're off for another whirlwind whip through the wide, weird, wild and wondrous whereabouts which we call the world of football. And we're not here just to look about, oh no. We're tipping it all out, making some nice piles and arranging things back in the order that they belong in. This isn't your ordinary football podcast. This is the Rank Squad setting off on today's journey. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your sat-nav today, keeping the navigation in check and us on the right road. And with these two... It's easier said than done. So to welcome the crew, firstly, in light of James Milner's old man walking stick celebration against Cardiff this weekend, I'd like to welcome this podcast's elder statesman, (laughs) a sucker sage, wizened wizard of windows, prudent percipient pundit of penalty box precedent. He was behind the goal at every football event you can ever think of, is Transfer Insider, Dean Jones. You missed out that I'm three years away from drawing my pension. (laughs) I thought that was a while back. (laughs) And to my left. The right royal ruler of the rankings, the matchless monarch of monitoring midfielders, the leading light of listing liberos. It's rank god, Sam Tai. Hello, Jack. A little bit later on, we're going to be joined by a very special guest, a leading figure in the UK comedy scene and a diehard Tottenham fan, Reese James, who's going to be ranking the worst bits about supporting Spurs. But before we get to that, it's time for hot takes. DJ, do you want to set us off? I do, yeah. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been getting a lot of stick, but... I'm saying he's still the right man for Manchester United to lead them forward. After they were humiliated by Everton... This is a scorching take, by the way. They were humiliated by Everton 4-0, and I've got no defence of that. But every man and his dog has been shouting him down since then and that United were wrong to appoint him as the full-time manager. I think hindsight is a wonderful thing. Go back to when he was appointed. Barely anybody was saying that, and the reason is... He completely deserved the job. He got 32 points out of 39 in the Premier League. He just knocked PSG out of the Champions League. Go back to one of my first ever takes on this brilliant podcast. And I said that Ole would get the job if he beat PSG. And he got it because there are three things every United fan wants to see. Winning football, attacking football, giving youngsters a chance. Did all three of them, ticked all the boxes. Ed Woodward was like, I wasn't expecting this, but actually, yes, you are my man. Um... Look, he was never going to carry on that kind of form, 32 points out of 39 and, and beating the likes of PSG. He was never going to beat Barcelona, really. That would, that would have been amazing if he'd done that and probably a fluke. Mourinho like, like the te- PSG one was. <laughs> Mourinho had been telling us all season, United's squad isn't good enough. So why was suddenly Solskjaer going to fix it? He, he wasn't. He wasn't going to find a long-term fix that quickly. But he did manage to change the morale. He did get people thinking differently. And now he needs to change things going forward. He has an understanding about the passion and the um, beliefs and the traditions of the football club that no other manager has. And it also means that he'll have a connection with the fans that will give him longer in this job for him to get things right. No other managers had that so far. Giggs had a few games to try and win people over, but it was quite clear that he was tactically naive and not good enough. Solskjaer doesn't have that. He is quite good. So, Pochettino, they could have gone forward. It cost £40 million to get him out of Tottenham. Still a gamble. Tuchel would have been a gamble. Allegri, gamble. Solskjaer cost five hundred grand to get him out of mould. They've already seen he can do great things. Now give him time. Give him the structure to get this squad right. Get rid of people like Anthony Martial, who are not good enough. He's, he's given him chance after chance. Now he's started calling him out in press conferences. He now has to show how ruthless he is. I know sometimes he looks like a boy wearing his dad's suit when he's sat there giving his press conferences. But I think that Solskjaer is going to show that he is a... a a real man when it comes to making big decisions, that he is a grown-up, that he does understand this tactical world and this ruthless world of management. And I think he is the right man for Man United. Sam, do you agree? 
I mean, you've covered a lot of ground there. So yeah. just, just going to reel it back to the, the appointment. And my contention with the appointment was not, it's not, not necessarily the fact that he's the right or the wrong man for the job. It's that it was completely unnecessary to, to appoint him on a full-time contract at the time that they did. Trust me when I say no club in Europe was thinking, oh, Solskjaer. I could, we could nab him. We That's could have him. That was not no. And the players are happy with him. Great. The club's happy with him. Great. But they had no reason to give him the deal when they did. They could have held on to him as an interim manager for the rest of the season and made the call with more evidence at their disposal. No one was trying to take Solskjaer off them, and they weren't going to fire him. They didn't need to do it. Now they've created themselves a problem because. Man United need a director of football. Man United need a new hierarchy. All these things are said. They're probably true. The first thing a sporting director or a director of football does when he walks through the door is state his preference on a manager. So now Manchester United is selling the job of this hierarchical sporting director and saying, yeah, you can have the job, but you have to work with a guy we appointed for literally no reason about a month and a half ago. The reason There is, was no need I'll to I'll tell you the it. reason. You've got David De Gea needs a new contract. Paul Pogba wants a new contract. They need to know who's the manager going forward. They're trying to sign players. They're looking at Jadon Sancho. They're looking at Kula Bali. They're looking at Eriksson, possibly even Gareth Bale. Once you open talks with those kind of players, you need to be setting out your plan. You can't say, oh, it might be Solskjaer in charge. It might, we don't know who it will be, actually, but can you come and join us? These players need to know what they are signing up for. That's why they wanted these, this sorted now, so they can get these talks further is, ahead. Is the argument that they still don't know what they're signing up for because Man United still have to appoint a technical director who could end up refashioning the football club from the bottom up. So these players, yes, can sign a contract with the, with the knowledge that the manager is, has been signed. But Players don't join a football club based over who the director of football no, but is. They also, don't care about yeah, that. They want to know who the manager Solskjaer, is, who their coach is. Solskjaer is already evens, you know, as to not finish next season as Man United manager. And he's 4-1, to one, I think, to be the first manager sacked in the Premier League next season. That's just season. nonsense, though. That's just people just playing the social media type. That's just all the waves that come from that. Look at people that are going to the games, the people that are involved in that squad. Everyone completely believes in Solskjaer, in the project that they're going to try and build here. Solskjaer is going to get time. Like I know people already are starting to turn on him. As it stands, recording this podcast, we don't actually know the outcome of the Manchester City game. To me, it's irrelevant. It's obviously not going to affect his long-term future at the club. He will get next season. He's going to do a, start his rebuild this summer. He can't just overhaul this squad. What's he going to do? sell 11 players no it's going to take a lot of time it would have taken Mourinho time as well but United fans didn't particularly like Mourinho most of them and so it was more difficult for them to get things going they've now got Solskjaer in place he will stay there they will eventually get better whether they'll ever catch up with Man City and Liverpool in the next five years I can't promise that but I still think he's the right man for the job if you look at the amount of work that needs to be done infrastructurally at that club and as you, as you reference, you can't just sell 11 players it gets done over time really Solskjaer shouldn't be involved in that I mean he obviously he should be like yeah I want to keep these guys and maybe these six guys can go or whatever but he then needs to pass all of those all of that information onto somebody else to do it he does and my, and my contention is that right now he and Ed Woodward would be the ones dealing with that like Solskjaer shouldn't be negotiating David De Gea's contract they should have brought in someone to do that and someone to sit at, uh, above Ed Woodward on the footballing side last month month before January, September, whenever, right? And then he can have a hand in picking his own manager. I just think it was really, like, strange. The thing is, they are still looking into that, and it, and it will eventually happen. They are just being very cagey, but they've spoken to a lot of people about that role, from, from what I've heard, and they just haven't gone ahead with it because I think they're not entirely sure that they want to commit to another figure that they don't know isn't going to make things worse rather than better. Right, what's your hot take, Sam, for this week? 
Uh, well, Jack, you call me the rank god. I do, yeah. In the your intros, name. Uh, your and name. also just out in public on the streets um, to your friends when I come around for dinner. Is your name on my phone. Uh, yeah, so I'm sorry to say this. I don't want to. I don't want to come across as a complete ranking fraud, but I've been having some ranking trouble this week. Let me tell you, Kylian Mbappe is the hardest player in world football to rank right now, or perhaps in real terms, Mbappe is. The, the, the hardest football to gate, a footballer to gauge in world football right now. I was watching PSG on Sunday. I watched Mbappe hit 38 kilometers an hour en route to scoring a goal. I watched him score a hat-trick and I thought, wow, he's good, isn't he? Uh, might just be the best striker in the world. Genuine, genuine contention. He's won a World Cup. He has quite a few trophies to his name already. Three Liga uh, in a row. Mm-hmm. He is a phenomenal finisher. He has all the attributes you'd want. If you were to go out and pick your ideal striker, you might well end up with Mbappe. Honourable mention there to someone like Kane or Suarez because that is a, is a stacked group. But then I've remembered that, you know, I consider Cristiano Ronaldo the second best player in the world. I also consider Ronaldo a striker. So as I often do, I try to... I try to Start ordering things. That's why I'm sat here. Tried to here's rank, your, here's tried your to, job, yeah. Tried to rank them. And I'll be honest, my brain just started melting. So I text Dean for help. He gave me absolutely nothing. <laughs> I said, why don't we talk about this on the podcast? As, the, and I, and what I, are we calling it? The Mbappe conundrum. The Mbappe conundrum. So I sit, I sit before you. Uh, here I am, a confused man, a confused Sam, the so-called rank god who can't rank a player, one of the best <laughs> players in the world. I don't, know what, I don't know what to do with it. This is the Mbappe it's conundrum. Part of, it's part of the issue that he plays in Liga. Potentially, I, I, potentially, I think it's more to do with the fact that for a long time I have said that Ronaldo and Messi are the two best players, and I know I think that Ronaldo is the second best player. He's not the best striker in the world, in my opinion, and he's not. And when you start stacking the players up like that, it sort of challenges that status quo that we are just sort of drilled into saying and believing. And it's because Ronaldo, some of Ronaldo, what Ronaldo does, what he does so well in terms of stepping up on the big occasion is, is borderline intangible. So if you were to compare the strikers from an ability perspective and a statistic perspective, like you'd start to struggle with it a little bit because it doesn't quite compute because what Ronaldo does is slightly out of that sphere. And that's why he's so good. But I do think that with this happening, and I still can't quite figure it out 72 hours later, I, well, I think we're in for a change of the status quo pretty soon. I, think I, really, I really do think we are. One way of judging it, I think, say you were Ajax or Tottenham going into your Champions League semi-final, you can pick either Ronaldo or Mbappe to go into your team for those semi-finals. Which one would you pick? Well, I think they'd pick two different players. I think Ajax would pick Mbappe, <laughs> and I think that... I think that Tottenham would pick Ronaldo. Yeah. And that's basically just a stylistic question, isn't but it? But it also ties into the, the, the big moment category, which, which I've obviously referenced as Ronaldo's, as, as his wheelhouse, and that's what he really hangs his hat on. And that's what still continues to make it so confusing because football isn't all just about those big moments. Obviously, they're a huge part of it. We're on the cusp of, of several. We've seen several already over the last few weeks. But that's not the only thing you can measure Look, a player on. So you should Mbappe just go... scored in a World Cup final. Yeah, you and should... it's hardly like he's like, oh, the big stage scares me. I've, I've, yeah. He scored in a World I don't Cup forget, final. Mbappe is better at 20 years old than Ronaldo was at 20 years old, in my opinion. I think his, yes, I agree. his, out, in it, his output, yeah. his all-round game, his intelligence... His maturity, yeah. you know, Ronaldo took a, a while to, you know, at United to to properly get going, and, and at this sta- at that stage of his career at twenty, he was he was starting to get there, but he was nowhere near the all round package that Mbappe is. So, I think you you've got to start looking at Mbappe. I don't think it's yet, but it's I think not yet, it's coming. I think the reason the reason I'm struggling to compute this is because I think it's coming. Basically, we are we are very much getting to the well, point. He's ahead where, of Neymar, where Messi and Messi and Ronaldo are. Uh, over over th- over thirty, and 
at some point going to decline or have started declining. And you've got a player like Mbappe, who is this good, this young, this consistent, has already won a World Cup. It starts to challenge everything you think you know about this sort of thing. Best player and, at PSG, he's got it all. And, and <laughs> he's not... Again, <laughs> this, is, this ties into it even further. I think Neymar is the third best player, and I think Neymar is, be, not, is no, better Mbappe, than Mbappe. No. And, yet, and Mbappe's yet, here, better than Neymar. And yet here I am again, confused. Right, I mean, I think that, that there's something here that you, we haven't seen him really tested outside of France. And I think there's something... Or Russia. Well, yeah, of course, on a club on a club level, yeah. and especially you know in the Champions League, obviously Monaco went on that kind of thrilling run, but it kind of didn't end up you know in actually winning it. He or, scored against Buffon. He did. He did. He scored. Yeah. <laughs> now he plays with him. <laughs> uh, and no, it's one of those things where you know. And now PSG have struggled. You know, in the two years since he's been there to get to get past the the round of sixteen, we, we've seen them struggle. Yeah. So we're yet to see if Mbappe can you know compete in the way that we saw Neymar go to La Liga and tear it up yeah, we, yeah. we saw him be exceptionally good there uh, and therefore it, it's easier to quantify where Neymar sits in the in the kind of pantheon as such and it's because we place such importance on ironically team achievements yeah when we're discussing individual players which also makes absolutely zero sense you, can, you cannot measure a player by what his team has achieved and you can't put Mbappe down because PSG didn't make it to the quarterfinals it's not all on him no. like, it's not his fault so the whole thing is just a bit Weird. It is blood. And I need, weird, a, yeah. I need another week to... Okay. We'll, 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 we'll come back to this next week. Right, well, the third <laughs> take for today. Uh, we did things a bit differently this week. We picked three players whose form has led to questions about their futures being raised by their respective fan bases. Anthony Marshall's bizarre patch of form at Manchester United took third in the vote, as alluded to by Dean earlier. At two, with no goals this season in the Champions League, Barcelona's Luis Suarez. You know, it, it was a, a strange one, what? but that got 35% of the vote, 37% for the and the winner this week, over 8,000 votes. We got 21,000 votes on the poll this week, so shouts out to everyone that voted. The winner was Arsenal's Skodran Mustafi, who has been lampooned by Arsenal fans as the cause of their defensive malaise. Great work. Great Is word. that fair enough, Sam? I think, I mean, he makes so he makes so many mistakes that he becomes very very difficult to give the benefit of the doubt to. Over the a number of years that he's played in the Premier League, and of course at, at a reasonable level as well for Sampdoria, and then at Valencia as well. It's not like this guy's twenty one. He's been around a while. He has also won a World Cup. Um, I used to try and give him the benefit of the doubt when he played for Arsene Wenger because I believed that. Arsene Wenger's system or lack of structure mm. often hung his centre-backs out to dry in very high areas. He makes them for- he forces them into very hard decisions and sometimes you just get them wrong. When you put a player in a position like that, he's going to look silly about half of the time. But it has carried on quite a long time and it's carried on into a different manager. And I had a, a stark realisation the other week when Arsenal beat Napoli 2-0 in the Europa League. I realised that they'd found Mustafi's best position. He was on the bench. Yep. <laughs> Jeez. Well, that's it. Dean, I know you disagree with <laughs> so this a little bit. Well, I really want to disagree because, again, I, I want to give him the benefit of that. And a couple of years ago, Mustafi put in some performances where I was starting to become convinced that he could be a long-term answer for Arsenal in essential defence. And I was looking for some stats that might back this up from this season. I started finding on the Premier League site that his tackling success was higher than Van Dijk. number of interceptions were higher than Van Dijk. And I was like, oh, hang on, are we onto mm. something? Um, saw a few people also talking about this on Twitter. Then I looked more into stats and comparisons, and it says that Mustafi, according to Premier League stats, has made no errors leading to goals this season. Okay. So I now dismiss all statistical evidence yeah. <laughs> based on Mustafi's uh, season. Also, just to make it clear... Uh a team that comes under a lot of pressure defensively, their defenders will statistically look quite a lot better. So there was an argument in November or December 
where someone on Twitter, I think tongue-in-cheek, put Sol Bamba of Cardiff City's defensive statistics alongside Van Dyke's, and Bamba had more interceptions, more tackles, more clearances, more headers, because he's subjected to more pressure. So it's definitely a dodgy route to go down in that, in that sense. But zero errors lead to goals. Uh, Palace? Of the I think it's because he hasn't got possession of the ball at the time. I think that's what counts as it. Anyway. Um, is he going this The good summer? news for Arsenal fans is the club are desperately trying to get rid of him. Um, they've actually tried to sell him in the last two summers. Yeah. Um, they've been seeking buyers, if you like. Um, their big problem for the coming transfer window, Arsenal, is that as it stands, their transfer kit is £45 million, which isn't enough for Emery to take them to the next level, yeah. to, yeah. to freshen up that squad enough. So they, he's been told whatever funds he can raise from player sales will go straight into that so he can reinvest it. So Mustafi is for sale. Anybody out there who on the back of this podcast thinks wants that a, a wants purchase, a Mustafi, yeah. he's available for about £35 million. Pounds. All right, well, after the break, we're going to be joined by Rhys James to talk about the five worst things about supporting Tottenham. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to BR Football Ranks and introducing a new member of the rank squad, the self-confessed world's most average height comedian and fan of Champions League semi-finalists, Tottenham Hotspur, Mr. Reese James. Hello. Welcome to the studio, mate. Thank you for having me. How good me. does that sound? Champions League semi-finalists, not the, the height thing. Yeah, it sounds, the, the height thing sounds very funny. Um, <laughs> self-confessed, very funny. Uh, and the Champions League semi-finalist is very surprising and also feels a bit funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially with funny match. Yeah, yeah. It was quite a funny match that got us there. It from a from a Tottenham perspective. Mm. Yeah. While also the most stressful two hours of my life. I was going to say, like, surely games like that aren't enjoyable as a fan. You know, I mean, no, absolutely. You don't enjoy a second of them, right? No, no, no. It was genuinely, absolutely hideous. Also, I was uh, watching it on a BT Sport stream and therefore was a little bit behind. So I was like desperately like I can't look at my phone. I mean, it's the worst possible match to be. 10 seconds behind him. But couldn't you hear cheers from elsewhere before actual cheers happened? Well, no, because I was just in my house. Yeah, but from around, like I heard the other day, I was, I was watching a game that was lagging behind and it was a Liverpool match. Right. I could hear from two gardens along cheers and I was like, yeah, I th- like, that's completely ruined that. <laughs> Locked the windows. You're, yeah, yeah, you're yeah, watching yeah. football the wrong way. You're yeah. watching with other people and all those kind of things. I think I lo- either live in an area that doesn't care about football or also is forced to stream. <laughs> you're all on 10 seconds of that. Yeah. yeah. It's just a question of whose stream comes in faster. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so we are going to talk today about Tottenham and, and mm. taking the tone a little bit down from you know the highs of, of that night. Yeah, back five, to reality, I think. The five worst things about being a Tottenham fan yeah. over the course of your lifetime. Let's get into it, I suppose. Let's, uh, let, let's sure. take it from number five, take it from the top and, and see where we get to. Okay, number five. Yeah. False dawns slash the inevitability of nearly. <laughs> <laughs> is, is this the same as bottling it or not? Absolutely not. We'll, come, <laughs> we'll, we'll come to that. Later. We'll come, come to that. No, this is more just like the the promise of Spurs for so long is like we'll go on these good runs. Like right, even right now, right? So we're in this Champions League semi-final. We're not going to win the Champions League. It's just this constant feeling of hope as a Spurs fan because we're such. it's such a nearly team and it always has been, even if the goalposts have moved slightly to what that nearly is. So like semi-finals, we've, you know, got battered in historically, for, for decades, for centuries. Mm. But it also used to be nearly get top four, you know, and we'd finish fifth in, like, a variety of humiliating seasons. <laughs> Comical ways for... for yeah, for so, the like, other the, best, the best example and the one that stung the most was the Harry Redknapp 
10-point lead mm. that we threw away when Redknapp courted for an England job he was never going to get. Yeah. Twitter wasn't really a big thing, especially in the football community yeah. in that period. Because if it was, I mean, I, I would have had to throw my phone in the bin. <laughs> it would have been that. It would have been, 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 been right, start. forget it. I'll never look at anything. But it's not just that. So, like, obviously, yeah, FA Cup semi-finals, we do quite a lot. Um, we've lost cup finals, etc. And now, and then it became like, are we the year Leicester win the league? We're the closest team to them, except on the. And then we don't even finish above Arsenal that season. Finish third in the two horse <laughs> race. Finish third in the two horse race, <laughs> losing five one to Newcastle. Already last, relegated. Already relegated Newcastle on the last day of the season. Um, which, by the way, I went on a stag do that weekend <laughs> in right? Newcastle. No, in Dublin, I went on a stag do, and uh, there were loads of people. It was like it was like our friendship group's first stag do. So everyone went, everyone was absolutely buzzing. Now, most of the friends I went to school with are Arsenal fans. And we went on this stag do. And when the stag do was booked, the flight home was at three o'clock on the last day of the season. And I was like, lads, I mean, it's the last day of the season. Obviously not. At this point, Spurs were still in the title race. Right. So <laughs> I individually booked the only other flight back, which was at 5 a.m. Before, prior to the oh, 3 p.m. Oh. Right, on, a, on the second day of, a, on the third day of a stag do, sorry. Straight on your way back from a night out. So yeah, yeah, pretty much. So I went, to that flight alone and went back by this point Spurs already can't win the league right (laughs) and also not only all the friends Arsenal fans the um, best man is a Leicester fan (laughs) so I'm getting annihilated all weekend I then go home and go early and I go and meet my brother and my dad and my brother lives in Finsbury Park and we end up watching the last games the last day of the season in an Arsenal pub Spurs then (laughs) absolutely bottle it and come third, losing 5-1 to Newcastle. And everyone gets off that plane. All the Arsenal fans get off that plane after the three o'clock flight. And basically, I've just like my phone blew up. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen anything like it. And it still gets brought up every single time I see anyone in that friendship group. Anytime, anyway, I've got to go. They go, oh, well, you've got to go to the victory parade. You've got to go on the open top bus, have you? Every single time, which is fair enough. But that, So that's an example of just like <laughs> the, the, why it's bad yeah, to be a Spurs fan. Because of the nearly mm. forces you to book a more expensive flight to only be disappointed. <laughs> Exactly. You think you're in a similar situation now with with the semi final? You've already written it off. Well, but like when we were nearly in a title race, like there's loads of aspects to it this season already. We were nearly up there. I mean, like I mean, very briefly, we weren't really. And also, we were nearly just like, okay, we're definitely third though. But then we go and lose to Burnley and Southampton on the bounce, mm. and then it's just like, oh right, now we've got to struggle again and try and desperately claw for fourth. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, a lot of other teams have done the same thing since Everyone's then. Everyone's done a spurt. So, yeah, 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 exactly. It's infectious, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. But it's like other things like that. Like, we, we just constantly do this. Things very nearly go right for us. Like, we, we nearly sign a load of great players. Like, we get very close. You nearly signed a player last time. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. nearly sign a player for two transfer windows. You know, Willian has a medical at us and then goes to Chelsea. Not that I'm that fussed. But, you know, we, we supposedly nearly were going to get Hazard, nearly getting Becker. Like, all this insane stuff. We nearly had a stadium open in time for the season and didn't have to go to Wembley again. <laughs> And that stadium nearly had a cheese room. I mean, <laughs> it just never go, goes quite to plan. Are you ever going to forgive them for not putting the cheese room in? I'll never, I'll never forgive that. Of course, <laughs> I, will it, never, I will never. That's the end. It's the only reason I bought a season ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Some people buy season tickets to see their team play. I buy season tickets for Swiss Gruyere. <laughs> <laughs> Which you're not going to get. Which I'm now not going to get. You have to bring your own now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah they, sell, exactly. they sell some pretty fancy stuff at Tottenham's new stadium, but they don't sell Swiss cheese. No, they don't. What's in it for them? Number four is transfer windows brackets general now (laughs) sam just mentioned transfer windows the last two transfer windows obviously we've signed no one now that is an issue (laughs) of course that is an absolute issue 
is the Spurs transfer policy for the last couple of years has basically been your mum saying, we've got food at home. That's how it feels. <laughs> so Poch going, it's Daniel Levy saying that to Pochettino. Poch going, can we go out and get her? And he's going, we've got some players, don't worry about it. And he goes, yeah, but they're George, Kevin and Kudu. <laughs> and that's the second point, is that every time we do sign someone, it's the same winger from League Aunt who does not know how to play in the Premier League. Sure, Lucas Moura has had his moments, but that was different. I'm talking and Kudu, Clinton and G. Clinton and G. Just a, what, what is the point? Why did we do that? Two windows in a row. We signed in G, it flopped, and then we signed in Kudu. You go, obviously we know that's the same. <laughs> I mean, it's literally N apostrophe. I mean, what? <laughs> the, the warning signs are all in place. Um, and then there's just other times where we sign like 2011-12, to bring it back to that, which was the season that we bottled that 10-point lead. It was, which is when we signed Ryan Nelson and Louis Saha in January, right? So Harry Redknapp decided we need some reinforcements. We'll sign a 34 and a 36-year-old. I'm not having a go at Louis Saha, but a 36-year-old or 34-year-old, whatever it was, Louis Saha to come and definitely rescue, rescue our race, season yeah. was not the answer. No. So we do that. And then like uh, Soldado, the Cranshaw years... Do you want Tottenham to sign players anymore? Because it never works out anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a weird one. That's the annoying thing about not signing anyone is that only 20% of our signings work out anyway. So we yeah. have to sign five players to get one good one. Yeah. So literally when it's zero, it's like, for Christ's sake. Well, there was that summer where you signed five or six players to yeah. replace Bale. Yeah. Oh, I remember. Soldado was in that. Soldado was in that. Paulinho was there as well. Paulinho, Lamella, Kirikes, was he in that? Yes, I think he was. I had Kirikes. Danny Rose made that point that Spurs fans got very angry about when Danny Rose said, that he wanted to, he wants us to sign some players. He doesn't have to Google. Yeah, I think you know he's got a point. We all got, everyone got angry at Danny Rose because the rest of that interview or that outburst or whatever it was was about him saying, oh, Kyle really? Walker said, yeah, I should leave and I can get paid twice as much, yeah. etc. Mm. But it then play to leave, but it didn't never come about. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah exactly. He's like, I want to live in Manchester now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Yeah, I, I would miss... like to go home to my yeah, roots. Yeah. Yeah. I miss Affleck's Palace and I want to go back to Manchester. Yeah, Deansgate Locks is yeah. calling my name. Is there a particular signing over the years that has summed up Spurs for you? Is there, a, is there one name in particular? Soldado had all the promise. Yeah, Paulinho as well. It's like the fact that Paulinho then went to Barcelona and was just really good. It's just yeah. like, well, of course. The moment we sold Paulinho, it's like, well, okay, he's going to be the best player in the yeah, world. Win, win the Ballon d'Or in a couple <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, it is Benjamin Stambouli. <laughs> Benjamin <laughs> Stambouli. Yeah. Another just like from the French league, tearing it up. Exactly the sort of midfielder we were crying out for for years. And then just, oh, right, can't do it. Rubbish. The French scout. Yeah. They need to have yeah. words with him. He's looking, I think he's stronger than words. I think yeah. maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. the wrong traits, clearly. Yeah. I don't reckon he's out there. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon he just points at FIFA and just goes, oh, him. He's done well for me. Yeah, 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 exactly. Give him a go. Yeah. Whose contract's running out on Football Manager <laughs> yeah, yeah, this yeah. summer? Like, who can we get in on the G? <laughs> oh, actually, you know what? No, you know, you know what sums up Spurs uh, transfers that is much more recent is Vincent Janssen. I was wondering if you might bring that yeah. up. Because yeah. Because it's so easy to signed, forget about him. That's why. He's, when he signed, I was like, that's the one they needed. That's the perfect yeah. foil for when Kane's not around or whatever. Yeah. And he was happy to sort of sit on the bench. Yeah. When he yeah, came yeah. off the bench was the issue, right? Yeah. He's back on it now, though. He made, he made the bench. got so many injuries that he's back, yeah, resurrected on Easter. He's going to score the winner in the Champions League final. Right, we'll see it at three. Okay, now this is potentially harsh, but it's the World Cup catfish, Kieran Trippier. I like it. I'm into it. Now, I think you're right. I, yeah, catfish. I know. <laughs> He's a World Cup catfish and I feel bad about it, but I have to put him in. He's, he's frustrated me more than anyone else this season 
and as in he's frustrated me more than any other player not frustrated me more than any other Spurs fan <laughs> if you just search his name on Twitter you can see that I'm not alone in this yeah. opinion yeah. Um, I don't re- didn't really want to name individuals in this sense and give them their own category but you know oh. what you got to do it. The trips, well, trips, you're in. Oh, when you've got a great label like World Cup Catfish. World Cup Catfish, yeah, exactly. It was more just the poetry of that. I wow. had no choice. <laughs> I think we know why. I mean, it's like... I don't even know how good I think he was in the World Cup now. That's how bad no, he's he been this good. season. He was good. He's making you... He's, he's making playing in a different position. He's playing a different position. That's very... He's playing a different position. But he has. we have tried playing him in that position this yeah. year and he's still been... Bad. No, he did. He did stuff for England that he's never done for Tottenham. Yeah, like when he ran forward that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just does. He just doesn't, he doesn't dribble. Move. He doesn't yeah, dribble yeah, with the ball. Yeah. Doesn't move forward with the ball. Doesn't push it forward. But for England that summer, he completed more dribbles than he did an entire season at Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, so that's that's where the frustration comes in, and I totally get it. Like, and also sell, just like sell him to Spartak Moscow and he's going to absolutely tear yeah, the Russian yeah. league apart the he's only, only works in that climate he's been linked to a lot of clubs recently yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So Man United Atletico Madrid Napoli, Napoli yeah. Yeah. for £40 million pound. would you take £40 million pound? 100% yeah <laughs> take £4 million <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely it's just a, it's just a Kieran Tripp is such an example of just Spurs being nearly man just not quite being good enough when you watch him play against any good like attacking player he got absolutely bodied by Sterling and Mane a season before and stuff like that and so did Ben Davies but Ben Davies is much more of a professional and at least focused like knows his strengths that's the thing about Trippier he doesn't seem to know what he's good at because it's quite hard to identify <laughs> has Trippier had any good moments this season that stand out yeah he's had a couple against Fulham yeah he, he, he scored a, when he first came back from the World Cup and he was on free kicks and he took a couple of good free kicks and we were like sorted because Ericsson keeps hitting the wall yeah. mm. and Ericsson can never beat the first man from any set piece and then Trippier took a couple of corners that were alright um, nothing sticks out I'm probably probably something should there's definitely been a couple of times when I was like okay fair enough I have yeah. to admit that Trippier no I don't well think there should there, be because I can't some think of yeah. but he, that's, that's overall that, that's he definitely major. hasn't lived up to the hype of where he was at, at the end of last summer was he yeah I mean, if he's disappointing you right now, what's been your? What are we comparing this to? Like, what's your highest point that you can remember in recent years of being a Tottenham fan? Where are we coming from? What's the, what's the goal or the moment that's really made you? Oh, it's excited. Um, Harry Kane when we were in the title race in the Leicester season, and Harry Kane scored against Arsenal and ripped off the mask and yeah. ran away. <laughs> I, that was an incredible goal. I screamed. I was screaming I, like a WWE commentator. <laughs> I was screaming, Kane, the mask is off! In your sitting room? <laughs> no, no, at, at the, the game. At the game. Um, yeah, yeah. How did the people around Kane, you... <laughs> I was going, Kane, the mask is off! And then my neighbours were going, oh, I'm behind, I'm on a stream, for God's sake. Um, no, I was at the stadium. <laughs> I was at the stadium. Well, no one could hear me, obviously. So it was just a moment to myself where I was just suddenly caught myself two minutes later going, you're the biggest loser I've ever had. <laughs> but I was just going, oh my God! And uh, we were also, where I sat was literally right behind that goal. So like, it was right behind him. So could tell it was going in our stand sort of before anyone else because it was a very audacious shot to make not in a great position and also just the whole build up to the goal was just like Deli Alley just keeps the ball in sort of just a bit randomly with a back heel for no reason and then Kane just bangs it in and then it was like 2-1 and then we conceded immediately <laughs> as the ball. Is that it? Is that when, the whole Spurs experience? Yeah, 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 exactly. In 10 minutes. It was like, oh my God, we're actually going to do it. I think we would like go top or we'd go level on points or something and we had an easier run in or something like that. Um, and then immediately Sanchez hits it at Larissa's hand and Larissa's paper hand flaps behind it and the ball goes in and we draw two all. Mm. And then I go on a stag do and ruin my life. <laughs> <laughs> Let's push it on to number exactly. two, shall we? Number two is uh, lack of trophies. I've got to say... As a Spurs fan, 
I, this is more of an issue for other teams' fans on Twitter than it is for me. Now, obviously, I want my team to win trophies. Of course I do. But the way that Spurs are measured as um, slightly more, I'd say, irrational football fans, less reasonable football fans saying, well, how can you say that Spurs have any success or Pochettino's a good manager, given they've never won any trophies? And you go, we, but you're comparing it to the wrong thing. Yeah. You need to compare it to Spurs previously, not to the rest of the top six. Mm. Because football fans have short memories in terms of the club, the, the history of a club, unless it's their own club. Yeah. They've got very long memories in terms of players. Everyone, if you say El Hadjouf, everyone knows exactly what you to imagine. About, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and they know that guy is a bastard, right? Because <laughs> they've got long memories in terms of that. Or just like if someone does something against their club, it's literally a dive against your club 10 years ago and you'll remember it forever. Yeah. People forget that like Spurs were like sort of fighting relegation and then Klinsman had to come and rescue us. And then we were like finishing 11th every season. And then it was a really big deal when we finished fifth under Martin Yol. That was our highest ever finish. And then to get like consistent back-to-back Champions League spots was a huge deal. So it, then to like... One day Ramos, when he brought in all those players, like you were in the relegation zone for the first 10 games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Modric and Giovanni de Santos, what a summer. Spurs are 19th. Yes. It was very... It was, exactly, it was yeah. And then Redknapp had to come and... Yeah. Stop us getting relegated that season. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. So, I don't know. If you compare... The, the Pochettino project has undoubtedly been a success. Yeah. I mean, it's transformed Spurs into now a team that people are concerned about. Not, I mean, not, not all teams are concerned about. But, like, if we're now able to even be considered a team that puts the pressure on the top, you go, well, that's ridiculous compared to the past. So, winning a trophy, if we were to win the Champions League, which we won't, don't worry, I'm not one of those Spurs fans. <laughs> we're in the semi-final, so we're going to win it. Uh, if we were to win a trophy like that, it would just be the best thing ever just so that those conversations stop happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, I want us to win a trophy, but I'd rather we were just like consistently finishing where we're finishing and like in the Champions League and doing this than just won the League Cup every 10 years like we used to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a much better situation. And also like, there's only a couple of trophies we can win that will actually make a difference. If we won the FA Cup or or the League Cup, I think fans would still be like, oh yeah, but Oh yeah, you finally you won a trophy, but it's the FA Cup or it's the League Cup. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think you could Premier League or Champions League are then only two trophies that are going to shut people up about that, right? Yeah, exactly. All seen at one, Reese. We- Number one, lasagna. <laughs> now, lasagna is what I'm using to represent embarrassment. Now, what I'm referring like to story coming. <laughs> what I'm referring to with that is the obviously we all know Lasagna Gate. Do you want me to refresh the just, memory yeah, of Lasagna Gate? The Brief history. Lasagna Gate was I th- it was oh five oh six season and it was Martin Yol was our manager and we uh, just needed to match it was the last day of the season we needed to match Arsenal's result to finish above them for the first time ever but it was also significant because we would finish fourth and they would finish fifth and we were playing against West Ham away and we were a point ahead of them and then we got poisoned by Arsene Wenger (laughs) (laughs) and then this whole Spurs team got food poisoning in their Canary Wharf Hotel uh because they all ate this lasagna that was dodgy or whatever. And it was against West Ham. I mean, there's so much wrong with this story. And then the next day, they clearly all had diarrhoea. I mean, like, they were trying to play this match. I don't know if you ever tried to play five-a-side hungover, but I certainly have never tried to play five-a-side or (laughs) 11-a-side while I literally have the shits. I mean, I've never done that. But that's what they were doing. And they all, I think we applied for a delay or something. But the last day of the season, everyone's playing at the same time. They said, like, well, you might face a point deduction. So we just played it. We lost uh, 2-1. And then we finished fit. I mean, it's just like a classic. It's just the most Spurs thing to happen. Why were, why were they in a hotel? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's like 10 minutes away. I know. I mean, like, and you'd think, I, I, bet, it was a, I bet it was an extravagance as well, because 
uh, Levy is such a, you know, penny-pinching chairman that you thought he would be like, well, no, just stay in your house and then drive to West Ham. And then I bet you thought, you know what, it's the last day of the season, you've done really well, why don't I get you a nice hotel and I get you a nice slap-up meal? Everyone likes lasagna, right? Jermaine Genus said, um, the silly thing is that for a game against West Ham, we would normally have stayed at home, but because it was a local derby and so crucial, they decided to put us in a hotel for the special game. That's when they all got... Normally, they would have been at home oh because it was such a big game. I mean, is there anything that sums up Spurs more no, than I that? Think you're more right. than the fact we weren't even supposed to be in a hotel. So lasagna represents that, but there's other embarrassing things. That's just the perfect example. The other embarrassing things are just like um, advertising White Hart Lane is the only place to watch Champions League football for a whole season. It did come. And obviously it came true, but it's just like giving an ex- like if you're not 100 percent about the stadium being ready, this excuse to receive this banter. Mm, and, yeah. and it wasn't the only place because we did play at Wembley. Tim Sherwood saluting Adebayor, Tim Sherwood yeah. generally, yeah. Um, the Gilet years. <laughs> Tim uh, Sherwood discovering Harry Kane and then claiming he discovered Harry Kane. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, speaking of which, the fans releasing things like you just got caned. Oh, um, songs that like was that, brilliant. Which I'm not, it's ever. one of those things where like social media has changed the landscape of being a football fan so much that there are, there are catfish football fans now. Yeah. So there's, yeah. it's up for debate whether that's real Spurs fan or is someone trying to make Spurs fans look bad but then there's also the this is real Spurs fans it was the Lion King parody video Tottenham for Life or whatever it's called I thought it was brilliant um, absolutely phenomenal content good content it was it, yeah I mean yeah as an outsider I would think it was the best thing I'd ever seen yeah. but uh, it hurt me yeah. um, and that also links to probably the most embarrassing thing and, and I'd say this is the worst thing about being a Spurs fan which is our past of releasing DVDs for Big game, big game moments, the things that we considered positives. So, like a five-one against Arsenal in League Cup against their kids, a DVD comes out and a mug that says the <laughs> scoreboard on it. But also, like I think we released a DVD for drawing four all with Arsenal in like what was quite an insignificant. Oh, it was an awesome game though. It was an amazing game, yeah. But it was just like it was a hell, of a, it was it was a hell of a comeback. A DVD on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like the whole, just like, don't give anyone an excuse to be able to take the piss out of you on this level. And now, like, still now, if if Spurs beat Arsenal, then I will get a million texts saying, oh, what, are you going to release a DVD about it? It's like, I'm not in charge of the the film distribution of Spurs. (laughs) I'm a victim of all of this. It's like a ranking within a ranking here. He's ranked all these reasons reasons to be bad. Oh, there's more than five. And there's way more. I think you've listed 106 (laughs) reasons. I've Trojan horsed a lot of reasons in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's loads of... We'll just use big topics and subtopics. Exactly. Sub, subtopics. Exactly. But lasagna, we'll call lasagna the category. It's just shame. The category is called shame, but I thought lasagna was a more appropriate title. <laughs> Love it. Right. Well, we're going to be coming back in a minute to talk all things roulette and Sam will obviously have some nonsense rankings which you can take the mick out of him for. Lovely so, stuff. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, we'll be back after the break. Thank you. Welcome back to BR Football Ranks. It is time for the roulette wheel. Reese, are you familiar with the, the roulette wheel? Absolutely. Avid listener to this podcast. Avid gambler. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Perfect double. There we are. <laughs> there we are. I don't, no introductions needed. In which case, I'm going to say spin the wheel, Sam. Which team would Pep be better suited, Argentina or Spain? From Val Valder on Instagram. Mm. Val Valder. Okay. Ernesto. So, which team would Pep be better suited for, Argentina or Spain? You go, Maurice. What's your answer. Um, uh, he'd be better suited for Spain, but. I would like to see him linking back up with Messi. So, yeah, that's the crux of it, isn't it? Yeah. Is it just... I mean, that's the whole reason for the question. Yeah, <laughs> I, I assume. I assume. <laughs> this is from a Barcelona As, man, as the post-Barcelona era has taught us, Guardiola is nothing without Messi. 
so he should take the Argentina job. Right. Argentina are famously not very good at international competitions in recent years. Argentina Messi. need him more. Messi. I think that's the, that's the one. Argentina probably be... They could probably do with a manager like Pep more than Spain. Because the Spain are going to play in this way anyway. Like Most managers are going to manage Spain in a similar-ish way. Maybe not as There's good. There's not too much you can do, really. Yeah. you just got to let them do what they're doing. Whereas Argentina don't have any good defenders, really. Uh, don't really have many good fullbacks. So Pep could just convert all the wingers into fullbacks. Not play with the defence, and that solves one problem, and just give it to Messi, and it would all click. Five yeah. up top. I mean, it wouldn't be Spain, it would be Catalonia, wouldn't it? Indeed, it he would, is a Catalan, famously. Yeah. So, I'm going Catalan. You're going Catalonia, you're refusing to answer the question, yeah. and instead adding your I've own. I've added a third, third option, option. <laughs> because I think Pep, at the moment especially, would refuse to manage Spain. Um, yeah, that's a good point. For political reasons. Um, he mm. couldn't manage Spain wearing his yellow ribbon. Well, the yellow ribbon is just to free political prisoners. That is what it's for. It's not, it's not an independent Catalonia ribbon. A lot of people, though, don't read it that way, do they? Well, like, no, but like that, that's what it is. That's what it is. It's about freeing political prisoners. So, I, I mean, well, I there, think it leads pla- to massive issues. There are, pe- players who, but there are players who believe in that who still played for Spain in True. the World Cup, are there not? Yeah, Gerald Pique is, Pique a, is a Catalan independenceman. Yes. And he, he, he's very good for... I'd put good money on Pep managing Catalonia at the next World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you're going to get any odds on that whatsoever. If you're a betting man, I'll give you the odds. Don't listen to D. Sam, spin it Which footballer would have the worst Uber rating? I imagine it would just be someone who's really, like, aggressively arrogant. That would be my first kind of take on it. You know, there's, there's, all, there's all sorts of ways you can take this, but someone who was so arrogant they didn't, like, even want to talk to the driver. I'm going to go Cristiano Ronaldo. He goes in there, and the driver's like, hello, mate, and he's like, hmm. <laughs> he's absolutely having thing. Is that why you like get a bad man. rating? Is that why you... Uh, no, some drivers do like that sort of thing, though. Like, if you just put your earphones in and go for it, like, they'll be fine. Not if you ignore them. They it's don't like it when you're late, late, doesn't it? They don't like it when you're late. Yeah. No, no, no. Or if you, like, cancel at the last minute. I would, I would, Jamie Vardy. I would go with Joe Hart. Um, I think he'd get in the cab and go, come on it, guys, let's go, let's take it to the road, off we go. And he would not be yeah, able I... to stop bouncing around the back of that car. And I think the driver would end up just, just wanting to get him out of that car as quickly as possible. Right. I'm going to go for, um, <laughs> I've, got two, I've, got two, I've got two options. Um, number one, Patrice Evra. Does my head in. Shut up. Stop banging on about, oh, football's good. Stop kissing that chicken, you weirdo. It'd be so, it'd do my head in if I was an Uber driver. Yeah. But number two, and probably the main one, is Peter Oddenwingy because he's making them drive all over the country. <laughs> oh, For no reason. Very good, Dean. Um, maybe Anthony Martial because I just think he would you'd be waiting for him forever because he'd be so slow in getting there. He'd probably run down the wrong channel (laughs) on his way to finding the Uber. He wouldn't be able to find it for a while. He'd eventually get there and he'd be like, oh, mate, get out my Uber. So, yeah, um, yeah, Martial. Martial. New entry, Peter Crouch. Always got to have the sunroof open. (laughs) (laughs) All the feet out one side of the car and the other side. Which footballer would you choose to be your president or prime minister? I think I'm going to have to go with Danny Rose. (laughs) Because Danny Rose loves a debate. And he loves throwing issues out there. You think, we were talking earlier on about Danny Rose and how he decided it was time for him to leave Tottenham. And so he gave a very frank interview discussing the reasons why it'd be nice to live in Manchester and all the rest of it. And Mm. is very forthright. And then in recent times, there was a lot of racism... uh, 
issues in the game and he has been very good in, in coming out and speaking about it publicly. He always seems to speak when there are reasons to speak. And apart from that, you don't hear from him. He just gets on with his job. So I like that in Danny Rose. And I think he would definitely do um, a very good job in being Prime Minister of England right now and dealing with Brexit. In getting on with his job. I'm going to throw this to the Tottenham fan in the room and see how his take on Danny Rose Would getting you on with Danny his Rose job. was Prime Minister of Tottenham left-back. Um, <laughs> I like him as Tottenham left-back, but... Uh, I think it's a, it's a, it's an okay shout. Okay, cheers, mate. Because yeah, he's uh, I don't know. He's very outspoken. I'd yeah. see him as more of a shadow cabinet than a prime minister. <laughs> he's a backbencher. He's a backbencher standing up. I would um, try and give it Raheem every time I see Theresa May on the television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for like the last six months. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Raheem's done similar reasons for Danny Rose, right? Especially the way he's dealt with all this yeah. mm-hmm. stuff, racism stuff going on lately. Yeah, not lately, forever. Yeah, uh, but I just like. Uh, he has yeah, been good. He's yeah. been amazing for the last few months. He's been very and also, if he's going to get that much stick from the press anyway, he might as well. He's, he's, he's used to it. He's currently <laughs> getting a he's getting a prime minister level of stick. of stick from the press. He might as well be prime minister. People always said the Vincent Company. They used to call him president or, or prime mm. minister. It was his nickname, I believe. If, uh, if the city mm. documentary is to be believed. Um, because they said that he would make a fine president. Yeah. quite clever and, and well spoken and That's nice. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean... Yeah. He's a shout. Also, we've already mentioned Joe Pique, like obviously the most politically mm. attuned footballer I can think of in the, in the one minute and a half we've been speaking. Um, <laughs> I've uh, thought hard, long and hard about this for one. a minute and a half. <laughs> and I've come up with a name that we said three minutes ago. Good, yeah. It's fine. It's relevant. Got... On, a, on, a, low, on a, a, low, so a lower key, I suppose, um, so a name that lots of people may, may not be familiar with is Tyrone Mings. Always speaks extremely well on mental health issues and issues of race and just speaks very calmly and clearly so it'd be a lower key shout not all footballers are all, all centre-backs is basically what I'm, what I'm talking there on the contrary I've got two strikers for you Zlatan <laughs> Ibrahimovic well it's chaos already what? it can't yeah, yeah. get much Who's worse the other one? we're already the most arrogant country in the world <laughs> why not double down uh, and number two Jamie Vardy now Okay. The best moment in this country for the last 50 years was during the World Cup when there was just an, it was the beautiful summer. Everyone was watching Love Island. We were doing well. And it was just this party atmosphere. And the country was united for the first time in a decade. Jamie Vardy is the perfect leader to recreate that all year round. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you could. It would be a laugh. It would be a laugh. For a, for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> and then it would be the absolute yeah. worst <laughs> century in England's history. And there's but a lot the six, of competition. Six months would be great. Yeah, crack. it'd be like, amazing. You'd have, yeah. a, you'd have a good laugh there for six months and then it would be desolate. Yes, absolutely. Desolate. Right, Sam, it's time for you to shine. It's nonsense rankings time. What have you got for us this week? Cool. Uh, I've actually... I've been thinking for several weeks, thinking very hard about the things I find the most overrated in the world. So I've got my three most overrated things in the world, and I've created a footballing parallel to, to complement it. Okay. So I'm going to kick off with number three. Jack, you're not going to be happy with this one. Instagram filters. Mm-hmm. I think the misuse of Instagram filters is getting to the point where it's genuinely upsetting me on like a daily basis. Yeah. Um, the overwhelming majority of people that take photos nowadays are doing so on their phone. Inside your phone, inside your camera, is all these equalizers and automated processes that allow you to control your contrast and your darkness and where the sun goes and how it affects your photo. 
it does it all for you. I don't then understand why people take that photo and destroy it, yep. right? Creating colours that weren't initially there, creating contrast that you can't even work out who's in the damn photo. Structure that makes it look like ridiculous drawing. So I don't, I don't really get that. And Is it because you don't know how to work them? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> okay. I think, I, think the... I, I thought I got to the bottom of this very quickly. Is that Sam doesn't understand Instagram and has therefore kicked off about it? So I've kicked, yeah, I'm kicking off about about Instagram filters. I think the footballing equivalent here is is Paul Pogba. Um, I think Manchester United took a very good, functional, at times glamorous without being overly so glamorous footballer. And the meaning of him has been completely lost. (laughs) Uh, Three years in now into his Manchester United career, we're still not exactly 100% sure which position he should be played in. His defining traits and skills have been clouded. Much like the Instagram photo your friend took last week... I can't work out where it was, except for the fact that the location tag is present. Yeah. So I think probably location I think, tag is full. <laughs> thank God it's there. So, so what God filter? What filter represents Pogba specifically? Clarendon. It's the second one. It's the first one. Pro Yeah. It's the first one. First one I can think of. And that's improv. Um, into number two is avocado. Oh yeah, I'm hugely on board. Here. Um, no. Boom, doesn't it? That's boomed for good reason. Av- avocado farmers mm. must be minted now. I bet they live in giant houses, probably made of avocado. Yeah. Unbelievable. And I think the footballing equivalent is Paolo Dybala. I think their popularity levels have, have risen in tandem. I think the boom of avocado and the boom of, Paul, of Paolo Dybala, people thinking he's brilliant, have been exactly in line. And I think they've both reached an unsustainable point in which they will both collapse at some point in the next year. And I think they'll do it at the same time. So as people become nonplussed about having avocado on absolutely everything, I think people will start to think, actually, Dybala isn't the next Messi. So I think it will happen all in the same trajectory. Mm. Well, as avocados drop off menus, Paolo Dybala's going back to Sampdoria. More or less, yeah, absolutely. Are you, th- are you Stop- suggesting that these, the rise of these two things is linked? <laughs> I'm thinking about it. I mean, I, don't, I, I have no hard evidence. However... It's too, it's too big a coincidence. To- Avocado oh, I mean- improves every food you put it on. Would Dybala improve every team you put him in? No, so that's not a fair comparison. Avocado no, is great. Avocado uh, does, I dispute that. Shot. Avocado dispute does, that does impr- improve what? everything. What Spaghetti improve? bolognese. <laughs> you don't put it on it, though. <laughs> Sweet. Like, yeah. Any food you le- legitimately put avocado on, it makes it better. I disagree. I think it's okay. I saw someone put it on beans on toast the other day, and I was like, no. I'd be into that. I reckon that'd be good. <laughs> like, no chance. Imagine no, putting on Dibar top. on beans on toast. It'd be rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with you. There. I don't dispute that. Right. Into number one. Pepperoni pizza. Overrated. I, I do not understand. The <laughs> Get out of my studio. <laughs> I, don't I don't understand the obsession with, with pepperoni pizza. I think that, like, for, for example, if you said to your group of mates, let's get a pizza in, at least 50% of them will say, yeah, I love pepperoni, please. Of course. It's which, is, pizza which, in the world. Is, which is, that's wrong. And it's the yeah, wrong choice. Wrong, I, don't under, I don't understand why you would, because often with pepperoni pizza, it's just one ingredient. And it's an average ingredient at that. So not only are you limiting yourself to like the whole palette of ingredients or toppings for a pizza, you pick a bang average one and you stick to that. You have everything to choose from. And you choose one that is like straight six out of 10. I don't get it. My football in comparison is Sergio Ramos. Over the last five, eight years or so, very frequently people would have said, in response to the question, who is the best centre-back in the world, the response may well have been Sergio Ramos. In the same way that your response automatically, what pizza do you want? Pepperoni. 
I think it's, there's something in there in the wiring that's gone wrong in people's brains. Oh. Because at no point could you say with a straight face over the last five to eight years that Ramos is the best centre-back in the world. But people say it. At no point has pepperoni pizza ever been the best pizza. But people order it which, en masse. I don't understand it. the last eight years has been as consistently good as Ramos. How long, yeah, how long have you got? Okay, PK, there's one. Like Gerard, uh, Actually, no, that doesn't count. He hasn't been for eight years, no. Yes, he has. No. What, so, okay, good, what, what pizza do you like? I don't have a top pizza because... I, how can I you rank pepperoni? Don't even have a top pizza. No, I do Unbelievable. All, all sorts of... You can have anything you want on that. You can have red peppers, avocado. green peppers, onions, avocado, yeah, chicken... Meatballs, whatever you want. Yeah, meatballs? Pepperoni's a flat meatball. You work it. It's, it's not quite. It's a more convenient meatball. It's not quite. You can work your way through all of that menu. There's like 50 things you can have on a pizza. There's someone in the BR office that eats jalapenos and pineapple on pizza. But I'm not saying that's, that's right. That's a problem. Obviously, that's not right. Like. But that is being inventive. It's but the thing of the argument of... Uh, and everybody that just goes, ah, oh, pepperoni is fine. <laughs> it's taken me this it's point ridiculous. in the podcast to get passionate. But uh, the argument... Pepperoni passionate. Yeah, exactly. The argument that, um, that it's just one ingredient yeah. is like, yeah, but on, to, on top of like eight ingredients that yeah. are already on this... It fulfills. It's not everything. like it, it's not like a pepperoni pizza is one ingredient. No, I mean it's yeah, a list of ingredients. The, and pepperoni is the final piece of the pizza. Puzzle. Also, yeah, I'll right, tell yeah. you one thing now. When I am on death row, my final meal will be a pepperoni pizza. I will throw it in your face, Jack. Will you end this podcast? <laughs> I'm going to wrap it up in a minute. Yeah. I'm kind of just leaving him in the lurch. I, I need to, to go. Leave. I've got to go. I wanted to leave Sam in the lurch for a little bit longer. I'm going to pizza hut. <laughs> Get pepperoni. Right, we will call it there. With that in the bag, that is all for us on BR Football Ranks this week. If you've enjoyed it and you're not already get over to itunes or spotify whichever podcast platform is your favorite and hit that subscribe button while you're at it we'd love your ratings and reviews and you can always hit any of the three of us up on twitter or instagram remember you can always get involved with the podcast using the hashtag br football ranks firstly i must thank our wonderful guest mr reese james thank you for, thank for you joining us do you, want to, do you want to sell your instagram and twitter channels and things sure with, with, follow with, me on those and uh, make sure you get on the domino's app okay they've got a lovely <laughs> lovely pepperoni coming out and make sure you follow at kieran trippier that's <laughs> <laughs> right back in the Premier League. <laughs> yeah yeah um well thank you always as always to these two to dean jones Cheers, mate. to sam time thank you i've been jack collins please keep spreading the rank gospel and get your friends involved rank squad over and out. See you.